Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Marhefka, and I am excited to bring you the following conversations with some of the most interesting people I have ever met. When I set out to start recording the Fully Expressed Podcast, my intention was not to be the biggest, the most listened to, the most profitable podcast, but my intention was to be the most vulnerable podcast. And so as I interview our guests, my desire is to bring up stories and share experiences that they haven't shared before or they don't share regularly, to let us into their world even deeper so that we may learn and grow from their stories. And so far, we've certainly done that. Please check out all the episodes we've recorded on Spotify, iTunes, and all the other platforms. And if you love this show, please leave us a review, let me know, and also share this with a friend who you think might enjoy it. Lastly, if you want to support this show, please go over to trainingcampforthesoul.com. Training Camp for the Soul is my company where we do emotional healing, inner child work, and we teach people how to truly transform their lives. This show is completely funded by Training Camp for the Soul, so if you want to support me in the show, please go check out everything we have to offer over there. If you want to see the show notes and anything more about this podcast, go to chrismarhefka.com slash fully expressed. And then lastly, go over and follow me on the Instagram at chrismarhefka, where I share my own personal stories vulnerably, openly, and honestly. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm here with my brother, Jordan Bowditch. Jordan, thank you. Thanks for having me, man. You are very welcome. And I'm excited for this conversation. I find I say that a lot because I only bring on people I'm excited about. (laughs) You're doing it right. Doing it right. And so I was just reflecting right before we've hung out many, many, many times here in Austin, but I don't know much about what brought you to this point. I see you uh-huh. and I know you and I, uh, I trust you as a brother. And also I'm genuinely curious about the man, Jordan Bowditch. Specifically, I would actually like to start with what I would call your brand or your flavor. Uh-huh. Because listeners, you will find out very, very soon, the way you speak and the way you carry yourself is different than like the seriousness Uh that many people take on as an identity in this work. And I absolutely love it. I want to start there with like the persona of broski. (laughs) I love it, man. Yeah. So in a couple words, I think what you're referring to is, yeah, my persona is conscious bro. Conscious bro. Yeah. Uh Conscious.bro. And I'd say the way that developed is Well, I'll even take a step back. I say my brand of personal development is sincere, but not serious, not too serious Mm -hmm. rather. And I like to say like silly and sincere. It's playful. I perceive myself to be accessible in that way. And that was something that when I was really getting into personal development and mindfulness and the like, I found myself very attracted to those kind of people in this space. Mm -hmm. It felt very real that I could have just easy, quote, normal conversations Mm -hmm. and didn't have to posture all that Mm -hmm. much, didn't have to use the fluffy words and could be fully myself, but also still be very conscious. Mm -hmm. And 
I was in a fraternity at San Diego State, frat all-star, I would say. And, <laughs> Makes two of us. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had so much fun, and I learned so much, mm-hmm. and certainly plenty of shadow there, mm-hmm. and there's stereotypes for a reason in fraternities. And at the same time, I so value what I learned in that container. And so that's kind of where the bro comes from, is I love to kick it with my boys mm-hmm. and not have the pressure of performing and being perfect per se. Um, I can say some stupid, maybe unconscious, politically incorrect shit, and and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to be better, but yeah. I'm not trying to be perfect. Right. And we can have fun in that space and play while also call each other up. Mm-hmm. And that energy and those kind of people, it's really fun and easy and yeah, just enjoyable to be around. I find that I grow much more authentically and again, playful way mm-hmm. in those kind of settings. Yeah, it takes a lot of the pressure off and it brings a lot of lightness in. Totally. In a lot of, like, honestly, in a lot of spaces where there is a lot of conscious ego and the posturing and, and yeah, I mean, I reflect on my own journey. Like I went through this phase where like my ego just shifted from like the businessman ego that I, I was being to like this conscious, conscious man has it all together ego. And it was literally the same person just with uh, like a different flavor. And I find you bring like so much lightness to every container. I I was reflecting back on the event you ran, the gathering you ran just a, a few weeks ago. And in a men's group of like a lot of men I respect and a lot of the containers really serious and deep and heavy. And the one you put together was so much fun. And I felt my like inner child activated. I had more fun at that one than I think any other event that we've done so far. That's great, man. I thank you for saying that. And that is my flavor once again. And I so respect and value other people's mm-hmm. like the deep men's work that has had such a massive impact on my life. And I'm so grateful for the people that have committed to that path and have those gifts mm-hmm. that have honed in those skills. And I have my own set yeah. that has its own mm-hmm. value to it, you know? And, and I find that if I'm not having fun, meaningful fun, right. you know, when it's appropriate, then the work just feels like fucking work. It does. It does. Jeez. Does the work ever end? Do I ever uh-huh. just get to kind of enjoy it? Or dare I say, can I even enjoy the work? Yeah. And the answer is, I think, yes. And in that experience mm-hmm. in particular, we had very meaningful like men's Connection. work where there was challenge and adversity. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, we're all better, more connected, more in love mm-hmm. and had fun all the while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take me back to the fraternity days. I'd love to jam on this a little bit because I also speak very highly of my experience there. And I didn't know it so much at the time, but like looking back on it, like the lessons learned, like what were some of the most powerful things that you took away from that time of your life? Yeah. So let's see. Well, firstly, I'll say I was in Sigma Chi in Hoke to my brothers out there that may be <laughs> listening. Certainly leadership. We had like a somewhere around definitely a six figure budget every year that we were managing as 18 to 21 year olds. So that was, you know, from a business and life perspective, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Amazing that we were able to learn Mm -hmm. in that way and to like allocate a budget appropriately and sometimes inappropriately. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Been there. (laughs) Um, You know, running meetings, running a pledge semester. So I held many positions Mm -hmm. and one of them was called McGeester or pledge educator Mm -hmm. where I got to, I'll say shaman, so to speak, a group of 
you know, tender, eager young men, really boys that Mm -hmm. were becoming young men Mm -hmm. and getting to hold that space was so special. And, you know, it was very much a hazing fraternity. Mm -hmm. So being a pledge, having a pledge semester was like you were, you know, low on the totem pole Mm -hmm. (laughs) and treated as such. And the humility to mm-hmm. be in that space when I, you know, came out of high school, thought I was yes, tough shit. The shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had fun, a party that was cool. And, and then coming into the fraternity and it was like, you ain't shit to us, bro. Mm-hmm. Earn your keep, prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's very much physical hazing. Like, it, you know, a lot of fraternities were influenced by the military, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was very much my experience. The actual initiation, like the initiation week, a niche as we mm-hmm. called it, some people call it I week and whatever. So we slept very little, mm-hmm. like the first few days, I actually didn't sleep at all. Mm-hmm. Literally, I think there was three full days I didn't sleep because mm-hmm. um, we were all crammed into one room at night where we were like, <laughs> and there's no, you know, we had sleeping bags that were like wet and gross. Yeah. And we got like bong water thrown on us. Oh. Like nasty, oh. stupid shit like that. And I don't, you know, those things could take it or leave it. Right, but it right. did add to the challenge of the mm-hmm. whole thing. And all day we were upgrading the house. So mm-hmm. we had a, a big fraternity house with like 22 rooms. I want to say 45 people lived in mm-hmm. it. We had, at any given time, 150 or so active members. Mm-hmm. And we had to maintain this house mm-hmm. because we were the ones that did it. There was no other outside people mm-hmm. that did anything. And so every semester as part of the initiation experience, spend the better part of a week upgrading and renovating the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were talking before the podcast a little bit about working with our hands and being handy. A lot of that I learned. Yes. And so I think the, the kind of intangible quality of figuring it out was something I learned so amazingly in that setting where I would be told to do something like, I don't know how to do it. It was this (laughs) mantra where the bros would say, figure it out. Mm. (laughs) And it was, I figured it out. It wasn't always perfect, but done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. I very much learned that done is better than perfect. Better to just try and and get it done than to not try or be trapped in the paralysis by analysis energy. And so definitely teamwork too and unity. So that was a huge theme of the pledge semester was Mm -hmm. unity Mm -hmm. and everything that we did. So from like our pledge attire, which we had to wear like a specific suit and everything had to be exactly the same Mm -hmm. on every person. So yeah, so many amazing life lessons I learned and really overall to leverage the hero's journey motif here that experience of becoming a hero, I would say where I I genuinely felt like a hero of sorts, Mm -hmm. where I went through this fucking super challenging, you know, kind of literal initiation in a sense. And on the other side, I was like, I feel like a man. Yeah. And now I feel like more of, you know, 20, 20 year old man. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. He's kind of stepping into greater Uh um, expressions of being Mm -hmm. mature, masculine and a man. But for me, that was probably the biggest one of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many more, you know, one more thing maybe I'll share for now is I was also social chair mm-hmm. um, for a couple semesters. And for me, we would transform our fraternity house into like these theme parties. Mm-hmm. So again, building things and creativity. We had one party that was called Reggae Sunsplash, which was actually rated the number one college party by Playboy there, Magazine. There you go. For like 10 years. Whoa. We would literally bring in tons of sand from the beach in San Diego illegally. Yeah. (laughs) In the back of trucks (laughs) and take trips and fill our 20 car parking lot Uh with sand. So we had a beach. Yeah. 
we built a water slide off of our roof mm-hmm. into this massive pool that we built with sandbags mm-hmm. and like heavy duty tarps. We had slides. You know, I worked with like high name bands mm-hmm. to like bring them into mm-hmm. like, like negotiating contracts yeah. and stuff like that. And so, yeah, all of that and so much more was just so valuable. In my yeah. Life. Yeah. Experiences were so similar, cool. <laughs> so similar. And a lot of the lessons, the, the same as well. And I'm really glad you shared that. I don't speak that often about that experience for me, but like a lot of the things you shared really resonate with my journey as well. And for all the shadows associated with that phase of many young men's lives, I think more than anything, it provides the container for a man to test himself, to find the edges. Again, sometimes unconsciously and sometimes mistakes happen, but in a way, it's the rite of passage that the boys don't get. 100%. And so maybe in the past that would have been done at like 12. It's now done at 18. So there's a little more damage when mistakes are made, but better 18 than 42. (laughs) Absolutely, man. And having gone through that, it gave me such a perspective for like independence and responsibility and taking care of myself and others. And there wouldn't have been another experience that would have matched that Yeah. Uh, and as far as I can guess. Yeah. And so I definitely, I, I love that experience. I would not change it for the world. And it's in a way sad to me that like things like that are disappearing. Yeah. Even more. I think just the nature of raising men is mistakes. That's how the masculine learns is by pushing and testing the edges and seeing what really is there. Because if they don't, then we just have weak complying men. 100%. It's not helpful either. And I think that's something we're seeing in society is, from my perspective, in a lot of ways, there's this control of wanting to make every, if it's not perfect, yeah to get rid of it. We need to change it. Mm-hmm. We need to, and I'm not, I'm all for progress and upgrading. And, you know, to be clear, I don't necessarily condone 18 to 20 year old kids in a lot of yeah. ways. Hazing. A lot of the shit we did was dangerous. It was. People got it, hurt. Yes. Both literally. And, yes. You know, metaphorically, emotionally, the way some people treated women, like I just cringe myself included. And that being said, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. And we get to continually upgrade, not demonize, not, um, you know, the cost, what is the, the trade-off? Right. You know, I think we're right. seeing a lot of that in society right now with like the freedom and mm-hmm. you know, the proponents of that. And a lot of people that are, I don't want to say against freedom because I don't, I think very few people are really against yeah. freedom, but they're looking at this other side of it and they're like, well, but we have to control it because there's these other people that are getting left out or getting mm-hmm. hurt. And that's not the solution mm-hmm. from my perspective. Yeah. And I think one of the big things that's missing is that in that container, you have 20, 21-year-olds mentoring 18-year-olds. What's missing is true role models. And those models will help clean up some of the shadow. They'll clean up some of the dark part of it while maintaining the integrity of the lessons and the gifts of it. And yeah, it, it has me reflect on some of the times because I lived in my college town. I started a business there and I would go back and I would sit in chapters and I would Same. speak sometimes and I would mentor some guys and just like getting the reflections of how helpful that was to have some. And I was only like 25 at the time, but that's a lot different perspective than the 20 year olds doing the mentoring. And I think that the solution isn't to sweep it under the rug and pretend like the shadow of life isn't happening or pretend that like 
there aren't problems, it's to shine light on them and to address them head on. And that takes courage to do. And it's not just canceling them and getting rid of everything that we don't like. Yeah. Yeah. And another element that was so unique and in hindsight, I'm like, wow, just blown away by it is the ritual element. Mm, Yes. There were so many beautiful sacred rituals that we had both at like a national level. So, you know, fraternities, they have chapters Mm -hmm. at the school and then there's the national fraternity that Mm -hmm. has like their, I was going to say mandates, but that word's so charged now. They have uh, their rituals. And then in the chapter, you kind of create your own. Mm -hmm. And the way that the sincerity behind initiating men and certain little like touch points within the semester for both the pledges and the brothers ongoing was just very, yeah, against the word sacred. Yeah. So real back then the word sacred would have felt like cheesy, Cheesy. a little weird, but now I'm like, no, that shit was sacred as fuck. It was. Whoa. And people would be surprised at how sacred it was held. So yeah, there's like such a range and a polarity between like the everyday that you see. And then like, no, we're in sacred container and like everyone was Yes, in alignment with that. And I think that's the part that a lot of people don't see intentionally. But um, yeah, there's such a gift in that. I mean, I was raised Catholic and... and I was raised Christian. Yeah, and like, I never felt that level of intention in at like any religious gathering. Yep, agreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Like, I love the perspective that you shared and like being able to jam on that because it's one thing I'm really passionate about. I'm not a father yet. However, I imagine I'm going to be the father that allows my, especially boys, to test the edges, to find the boundaries and make mistakes at a young age when the stakes are low. Because that's in my journey. Like, I'm not proud of everything that I've done. And I've, I've hurt some people along the way. And that's where I grew the most. And you're proud of the person you are on the other side of that. Yes, exactly. That's, that's, you know, where pride comes from is through adversity, through being courageous through being stupid, building confidence, like being humbled, all of that. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. And so where did life take you uh, post-fraternity? Yeah. So it's funny because my college and fraternity experience was so meaningful. It was so impactful. I was so just in it. And so much so that afterwards, you know, I had a corporate marketing job, putting mm-hmm. a marketing degree to good use and really I majored in the fraternity life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and minored in minority business. That. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I came out of it and I was very fortunate to have a pretty like cool job, relatively speaking. But at the same time, it was definitely not my highest excitement. And so it was a couple years into that and I was still living in this awkward in between of post-college, but still kind of in college. Mm-hmm kind of partying in Pacific Beach, San Diego, I would still even go back to the fraternity fairly often, mostly just for the chapter meetings, because mm-hmm. I love that, mm-hmm. the sacredness and being able to mentor like you described mm-hmm. felt just was very fulfilling. But I was, you know, over the kind of the party scene there. Yeah. That being said, there was an opportunity, the chapter advisor who had been there for 40 years or something like that, he's, you know, older guy, bless his heart. Uh, he was just ready to be done. Yeah. And I was just eager to feel significant in a sense for sure and to mentor in a a bigger way to continue being involved in something I so was so passionate about and believed in so deeply and so I actually came in as chapter advisor at like I was probably 24 25 something like that and bro I was in way over my head (laughs) way over my head Uh, 
so I was in that role for a couple years and really enjoyed it. But once again, I just was not ready to do something like that in the way that it was, would have been best served for everybody involved. And I found myself in a situation where the guys got caught hazing, which was something that happened often and Mm -hmm. they would kind of weasel their way out of it, but there was no weaseling their way out of this one. This Mm -hmm. was just like the big dog that was kind of imminent. It was going to happen at some Mm -hmm. point. Everybody just hoped it didn't happen during their time. Right. And it happened during my time. But after, Mm -hmm. you know, I was out of college and long story short, I actually was potentially going to be held criminally responsible for knowing what was going on and not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. It never got too serious to that point, but that was definitely hanging over my head as everything was unfolding. And there was a couple week period where I was so just consumed by anxiety and fear and sadness and depression. Couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. It was like a few hours a night, like one meal a day. Cause I was just like debilitated by this. And I'm, you know, trying to pretend to be, you know, an adult working as well. I'm on calls with alumni, with fraternity, with the school all day, every day. My relationship of almost six years with the college sweetheart was Mm. coming to an end. I was just in this kind of dark night of the soul identity crisis phase. And right around that time, my older brother, who's just been an amazing mentor of mine. I think you've met him before, right, Ryan? Ryan. Yeah, 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 exactly. I didn't realize he was older, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he had really gotten into personal development. Mm -hmm. And so he started exposing me to some concepts as I was Mm -hmm. going through this challenging period. And one of the things he exposed me to was the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Yes. Yes. Game changer. Game changer for a lot of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that was literally the first time again, I think I was like 25. I had read a book for leisure ever (laughs) (laughs) that I wasn't forced to read in school. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of detonated this bomb in my mind. It was like, oh, there's a different way to do this. Mm -hmm. I knew it, but I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And now I can. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, I negotiated a temporary remote working situation with the company I was with at the time, sold essentially everything I owned and started living out of my car for, and it ended up being almost a year. Wow. And with Biggie, my pit bull, um, who's now 11, it's Mm -hmm. crazy. And through that journey, that was like my next big hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And I also at that time encountered Bulletproof, the lifestyle brand and nutrition company, best known for Bulletproof coffee. Mm -hmm. and just became this kind of diehard, bonafide Bulletproof broski. So I I was part of my calling card, so to speak, as I was bouncing around the country, staying with friends and family and just doing that whole thing is I had a crate full of bulletproof products and I would make bulletproof coffee for whoever I stayed with. And I was very mindful to contribute wherever I went. I just felt like I want to make sure I'm not a burden to anybody. And during that time, I actually got a job with bulletproof and this was in the early startup days, you know, this is 10 years ago. And I told myself going into when I was starting to apply for that company, I would scrub toilets to be in connection with a company like this, something that I'm passionate about that is, that I'm embodying deeply. And so I made a funny five minute spliced up video of why they should hire me. (laughs) I would love to see that video. Oh, it's so good. It's on my YouTube. Oh yeah. I'll show it to you. You know, part of me looks back on it. Like I haven't watched it super recently, but maybe in the past couple of years, and I cringe. I'm like, oh, you yeah. fucking dork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the other part of me is like, you courageous, wow. badass motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like, good on you. And I got hired from there. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being with the company for like six plus years. Mm-hmm. And 
just had so many amazing experiences. That's where I really went balls deep into personal development. I got to travel all throughout the country, go to festivals, all kinds of really awesome events, high level masterminds, exposed to so many absolute revolutionaries and game changers, learned a lot about like hacking rejection. Mm. So like a fun little story there, a little nugget is part of what I was national educator for the brand for a while. And early in that journey, I was in charge of bringing the products from online to physical retail stores, Mm -hmm. mostly like big groceries stores. Mm -hmm. And so like Whole Foods was my primary customer for a while. And part of what I did at both the events and in grocery stores in particular, is I did demos, I would do Bulletproof Coffee demos. And my older brother did them with me quite a bit too. And I, dude, I got a bunch of my friends involved in some of this stuff. So we, I called them the Bulletproof Brigade, comprised of Bulletproof Bros and Bulletproof Babes. (laughs) And we had so much fun, man. But what we did in like these grocery store demos is we served Bulletproof coffee. And so I'm going up to, I mean, over the course of my time there, I did probably thousands of demos, certainly thousands Mm. of demos and maybe tens of thousands of offering samples to people. Mm -hmm. And so this sort of hacking the fear of social anxiety and rejection and being turned down and that kind of stuff. It was so interesting to see how that translated to my life where I would offer something to somebody, they'd maybe say no, or they, I had had to confront the fear of them potentially saying Mm -hmm. no and just the implications for my life. I kind of knew it at the time, but in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that changed everything for me. And I would get to a place where I started having fun with it, where I would be super charming and crack jokes. And I'd I'd come up like very sort of sacredly and sillily and be like, (laughs) I have a gift for you. I would say, Christmas came early, call me Santa Claus. Just stupid Uh, shit like that and just play with it. And so yeah, I look back on that very fondly. And that Mm. was definitely, again, a significant shift in my hero's journey. Mm. Well, like a, a fun time in life too. It was, man. It feels like the night phase where you're like out in the world, like figuring <laughs> totally. shit out, uh-huh. like going on the adventures and learning about life. Yeah. How long did that period last? So I was with them for, I want to say like six and a half years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I officially left a little over like two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Cool. And and I was probably there a couple years longer than I quote, you know, I don't like to shit on myself. Right, right, right. They would have best served me because it was, I call it like the golden handcuffs where Mm -hmm. I was so comfortable in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was making good money. It was so easy. And I was like, why would I ever leave this? But at the same time, I knew my next hero's journey was calling and I was kind of refusing that call. But, you know, it all happens for a reason, as they say. As they say. Mm -hmm. That's what they tell me. Uh (laughs) (laughs) What was the next hero's journey? So really finding my wife, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my now wife. So Mm -hmm. we got married here a few months back and I'll I'll tell that story a little bit. So I was, I was working for Bulletproof. And so I was really getting into at that time, my own facilitating my own retreats, facilitating at other retreats and my older brother, my best friend, Kevin uh, had a, what's been called a conscious boy brand. called the mystic misfits yeah so the three of us were the mystic misfits <laughs> and you know you can kind of just deduce what that's all about mm-hmm. mystic misfits mm-hmm. we were very like edgy very playful mm-hmm. uh, we were known for like freestyling we'd bring like a little portable bluetooth speaker wherever we went to like festivals retreats and we would encourage people to freestyle and just create those kind of spaces and um, so that was our brand of personal development yeah. you know mm-hmm. also kind of my personal brand yes and so 
I was getting confidence in that regard. And I then found myself at one of these retreats, very humbled, where I was falling in love with a woman who was in this same kind of world, but I was still very much being a boy. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of committing. I wanted to be single and, and yeah, be a fuck boy of sorts. Yes. But yeah. I knew that that time was over. Mm-hmm. I was resisting it though. Mm-hmm. And very publicly at one of these retreats, I finally had the courage to share with her that I loved her. And I did it in an opening circle at one of these personal development retreats called Tribe Design and got turned down in front of everybody. I had let this kind of drag on too long and had just hurt her deeply through that process. And she had moved on. Mm -hmm. And so I was so just raw at this whole retreat. Mm -hmm. And while it was certainly challenging, it was also beautiful. It was, I just felt a part of me unlocking and mm-hmm. opening. And I was just there for it. Even though I was oh, just gut wrenching in some ways, I was also just, I felt so liberated. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing part of this experience after the retreat on a Facebook live. I was really into Facebook lives for all, yeah. especially when they first came out. Me too. I became somewhat yeah, yeah. known yeah, in my yeah. friend group and shit. I did like <laughs> little 30 day knob knob challenges oh. and stuff where I invite people to join me. And I had Several of like my friends' parents stopped following me because I was talking about yeah, jerking yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. So, you know, turned some people off. Yeah, yeah. Polarizing. Yeah. Um, but I was sharing on a Facebook Live what I had experienced and what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And this is where kind of Alexa and I made first contact. Mm-hmm. Um, she was going through her own experience, Alexa, my now wife. And maybe like six to 12 months before that is when I first discovered her online. So we had no direct threads of connection, but I don't know exactly how it went, but if I know myself, like I think I know myself, <laughs> I imagine in a way a little something like this. Suggested friends on Facebook, uh-huh. hot tatted up chick talking about sex. Okay. I'll okay. Like <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, you know, going to see what's happening over here. <laughs> Casual. Yeah, yeah. And so Creeping her from afar yeah, for yeah. maybe six to 12 months, liking a post here and there, a little light comment, mm-hmm. just kind of showing her very subtly that there's maybe some interest. And, and meanwhile, we think we're so smooth. I know, like, so, so yeah, smooth, so, so casual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they always. And so I share this thing on Facebook. She, like, I don't know, a day or two later, shares very similar scenario for herself. Mm-hmm. And the little synchronicities at play when I happen to watch her Facebook live, there's a few of them. One, I never watched anybody else's Facebook yeah. lives. Like I was just like, I want people to watch mine. I expect yeah, them yeah. to, but I got time <laughs> same, for nobody else's. Same. And I was on a flight going to some sort of bulletproof meeting or something. And I happened to be on my phone, had internet, just all these things that mm. were not common at all. Mm-hmm. And as she's, expressing what she's going through. She's got tears streaming down her face, but she's so cool, calm, collected, and eloquent with how she's describing Mm. it. The ownership she was taking for like what was happening in her world, I was just mesmerized. I was Mm. fucking in awe of this powerful woman. And so I sent her a voice note right after that. And I'd never had any direct communication with Mm -hmm. her up to this point. And I opened the voice note with a freestyle rap. 
Wow. No joke, bro. And and she played this at our wedding or maybe bachelorette party or something like that fairly recently. Similar to the Bulletproof video, I hear it and I cringe. Like, oh, <laughs> no. God, man, you are such a dweeb. Uh-huh. But then I'm also like, dude, you... Yes. Yeah, I see you, bro. Yep. And I'll give him a little snippet of what the freestyle was. It was maybe 30 seconds, but the first part was, Hey, Alexa, I'm about to flex for ya. I want to stand next to ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yes. Yep. And, yes. And then yeah, after Courage. the freestyle, I just shared my candid feelings and thoughts around you know my perspective of her and yeah. told her I'd love to get to know her over the course of the next two or three weeks, we had a couple FaceTime dates and I'll never forget telling my brother and my buddy, Kevin, I think I'm falling in love with this chick. And Mm -hmm. it feels so weird to say that, like that feels really true. And so I'm very much a proponent of this idea. I like to have my feet on the ground and head in the clouds. So Mm. it's like, I'm grounded, but I'm also floating, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's fun up there. It's very fun up there. And so I was very much approaching this with that energy. And after two to three weeks of this, I was like, I want to, I'm going to fly out to meet you. So I was living in San Diego mm-hmm. and that's where I spent most of my adult life. And she was in new Orleans where she's from. And I was like, I'm going to fly out to meet you. Mm-hmm. So I, I made an excuse. It was my bulletproof territory. Yeah. Not that new Orleans is much of a territory. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's not a whole lot happening there in the natural products, health and wellness space, <laughs> but they got a few whole foods there that yep, make yep. an excuse to go visit. Yep. Stop in. Uh-huh. And so I flew out there, stayed with her for the weekend and at the end of it, I told her I loved her and mm-hmm. we've been together ever since, you know, four plus years later. And it was just fool's Russian, as they say. Yeah. And yeah, I knew pretty quickly, like, I'm going to marry this woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. That was my next hero's journey for sure. Mm-hmm. And so what happened next? So we went to a festival a few weeks later. Well, maybe I'll, I'll rewind because there's a fun little story to tell here. So when I told her I loved her, it was after that weekend we were at the airport. She was dropping me off for me to go back home. And I said, you know, I have something that's on my heart that I have to share with you. Mm-hmm. And a little reluctant because yeah, it feels big. And I want you to know before I say anything that I have no expectation of reciprocity. This is just something that is my experience that I feel compelled to share. And I know sooner, you know, I'm, I'm like prefacing yeah, it, like yeah, building yeah. up the uh-huh. courage and I didn't even finish saying, and she says, I love you too. So I didn't even say, I love you. She says, I love you too. Jumps the gun, steals my thunder in such a beautiful way. <laughs> yeah. And we just, you know, oh, it was, yeah, it was so oh, romantic man. and beautiful. Like straight wow. out of a movie, man. Yeah. So a few weeks later, we went to Envision Festival in Costa mm-hmm. Rica. So I went to Mastermind there for like a week and a half. And then she met me at the actual festival after and that was when we really solidified our love. Right. If you've ever been to a music festival yeah. with a lady or yes. just in general, it's an initiation in and of itself. But going with significant others mm. can tell you a lot about how that relationship could go. And we just took it in stride. And, you know, yeah. it's in the jungle. It's hot as fuck. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like all your creature comforts are just non-existent. And so like, how do you show up in that setting? Right. And we showed up just in love and in play, Mm. which was really great. And then instead of her flying home, I was like, how about you just fly back to San Diego with me? 
let's just do that. <laughs> that feels way better. Yeah. And so she flew back with me, stayed mm. for a couple weeks and then, you know, ended my time in San Diego over the course of the next few months. And then I moved in with her in New mm -hmm. Orleans. We stayed in New Orleans for maybe like six to eight months, which was so cool. Cause that's where her family has been for like 300 years. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of culture and roots there. So I got to experience some of that and then moved to Austin and have been here for about three years now. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. And I, I briefly asked about it before we pressed record because I wanted to confirm that it was you because I think I heard yours and then also Michael's. And what I wanted to reflect to you is both yours and his were in my mind in the way that you chose your women. And as this was coming up for me really recently within the year, I was in a state where coming out of a 10 year relationship, I went through another version of a conscious fuckboy stage yep. and going from what I felt like was created the burden of my life to now complete freedom on my own. I was, had a lot of fear around losing that. Sure. But I knew. And the, your story, Michael's story gave me a little spark of courage mm to like really choose to take that leap. For me, it was something similar. Like I flew to Miami, fell in love. Yeah. So great. Uh, we had a similar experience where we, we got a cabin out in what's the valley out there, Malibu Valley or something like that. I don't know. Whatever. We got, no, no, in or, California. Oh, and gotcha, then we okay. took a trip out there together and that was like it. That was when it happened. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. I just wanted to share that like you sharing that story at some point, I think I was overhearing yours at one point and gathering a party or whatever. It was in my awareness though. So often yeah. during that time. So yeah, thank there, you. Thank you for that. And I think there's something so special on what you're pointing out here is that masculine decisiveness mm -hmm. that the courage it takes to commit. And there's this beautiful concept that I just keep coming back to and reacquainted with and recommitting to in my journey. And it's, the freedom in structure, the freedom mm -hmm. in commitment, which yeah. is, can be counterintuitive. It's like, what do you mean? If I have structure, then I'm not free. So not true. Not Having true. the boundaries, especially as a man and a sandbox to play in, you can be so much more creative with those creative constraints, right. so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it takes time to get to that place, especially specifically in the context of partnership, mm -hmm. and like choosing your significant other. Mm -hmm. I think that for men, a lot, needs slash gets to happen before you can kind of know that you're ready and mm -hmm. then this is the person. Yeah. And there's, I've heard it said, and this, this resonates mostly ish with me that 30 is that kind of sweet spot for men before yeah. 30 to really have experienced enough of life on your own and to have those little rites of passages mm -hmm. or big ones and yeah. initiations and to be able to firmly with confidence and that mature masculinity mm -hmm. choose your queen mm -hmm. um, before 30. That's a challenge. It's a right. tall order, but at 30, it feels like, okay, I'm ready uh -huh. slash I'm not, but I am yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready yeah, to yeah. commit and to choose. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I think that's a product of our, our modern timeline because I sure. think we've just pushed adolescence so much point. further out that if you were to do life like really intensely do life hard. Yep. Um, I think it could happen sooner, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it was the same for me. I mean, when I met Bryn, I was 22, she was 20, wow. I was 23 and 20, 20. I was 
working the door and bartending ah, back in the day to get yes. myself by while uh-huh. starting my first company. And so she had, the, she tells this story where she had this moment where we had been using the fake ID, her fake ID to get into other places. Uh-huh. But when she came to the door to see me for the first time, <laughs> She was like, what do I do here? (laughs) Do I give them the other name or do I give them mine? And so, yeah, that's how young we were. And like at that moment in time, I hadn't lived enough life to really be able to do that. And that came up for me a lot because like I love Bryn so much as a human. We had an incredible 10 years together. And what was true for me is that we were both completely different people that hadn't lived enough life to like truly like know what it meant to commit to each other. I feel that man. And I'm still learning that every moment now is like, that's been a big part of the last year is like, what does it mean to truly commit? Yeah. Truly commit to this woman, truly commit to this business, to my body and my routines and like non-negotiable commit. And I really believe that like that is a lost art. Yeah. For so many. And I'm grateful to have so many models like yourself and all of our friends and, and the men in my life that like we call each other forward and up all the time. Yes. I love it. And I think that it's so underappreciated, like the internal process that a man really goes through in his journey. I love that we're having this conversation because in a way it's shining light on it. Yeah. On that internal, like it seems easy to grow up a man in like today's society and, and I, where I'm not going to get into all of it and well, all the po- you just, you know, <laughs> spend a couple hours. Yeah. 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 We'll just go into, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> to like really, really show up consciously mm-hmm. with the intention of showing up consciously in every moment is a endless pursuit. It really an is endless internal pursuit and a righteous one at that <laughs> and, and rarely gets noticed or recognized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets recognized from the people that are also on that path. Yeah. And that's also part of the training is as a man to be okay with not being validated yes. and affirmed and noticed mm-hmm. and find that intrinsic validation mm-hmm. and pride. Yeah. I feel you. I started a practice that was something I saw was showing up in even my current relationship. This is recently in my journey. I was like seeking validation and I'm conscious communication. And I was like asking for it and she was like giving it and there was still something off for me and like everything felt good. Like, Oh, she's giving me acknowledgement for doing that. And, and what I noticed was like, that was the acknowledgement I wasn't giving myself. Mm. And so I started a practice from my, another brother of mine, Angelo, he, he gave me the acknowledgement practice at the end of the day. So acknowledging myself for three things that I did that I was proud of during That's the day, great. small or big, didn't matter if I was proud of it. That changed the entire energetic relationship of the acknowledgement from her. Yeah. I was finally able to truly receive it too, as like the gift that it was. Cause it wasn't, you weren't desperate for it right it was more just organic and happening yes fishing for it exactly reaching exactly yeah Mm -hmm. i got a little something on that note more recently in my hero's journey so a little over a year ago i had one of the most challenging seasons of my life which you're i'm glad you brought this up i wanted to Um, ask you about this so alexa and i got engaged about a year and a half ago and that was a big deal, right? Like I, we knew it was coming and mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I'm absolutely going to marry this woman, mm-hmm. 
but the idea of it is very different than the reality of it. Yes. You know, there's an energy, an energetic shift that is that just gets to take place. Mm -hmm. And I found myself a couple months after that, that initiation was happening where it's like, oh, the rainbows and butterflies mm -hmm. of being engaged and getting married mm -hmm. are shifting into all right, the shit storms and rain clouds mm -hmm. of earning that, so to speak, mm -hmm. of being able to step into that and embody being like a reliable, resilient fucking husband. So the universe bitch slapped me with some, some life lessons. Yeah. And so Lex and I, during the holidays, we have this whole song and dance show, so to speak, where we bring both the dogs. So our little Frenchie named little and our big old blue nose pit bull biggie. And we travel to Ohio to see my family with the dogs, you know, flying. And then we go to New Orleans to see her family. And we do this over the course of a week. So it's like three days, three yeah. days on Christmas day, we're traveling. It's an ordeal. Yeah. And yeah, this is a little over a year ago when COVID was really still kind of in its heyday in certain ways. There was a lot of fear, a lot, around of, charge, still, yeah. a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, the vaccine had just come out for certain demographics, but it was not available to mm -hmm. everybody yet. And we hadn't gotten it yet. So we get to Ohio and we're, we both have a little sniffles. Pre-COVID, it's just a fucking cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it was so mild and... I'll say in hindsight, kind of egoic stubbornness. I was like, I'm not going to fucking get twisted. I don't need to get twisted. I just have a little bit of sniffles, mm -hmm. you know? I thought better of it. And while I was pretending to think better of it, I was like, oh, just for peace of mind, let's just get tested. Because again, we had just gotten there. We'd only had contact with a couple people. And the next day we were about to be with my grandparents, mm -hmm. with aunts and uncles, extended family, more vulnerable populations. And so we go get tested and we both come back positive mm. and we're like, fuck. So we go back to the hotel. And we're like, what do we do now? Like, well, I guess we, we're going to rent a car and drive home and quarantine for the rest of the mm. holidays. So we did that and that was, you know, challenging and sad, but it was, it was like, okay, this is just, yeah. is what it is. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we made the best out of it with the dogs and traveling across the country in the car. I was like, all right, lots of podcasts, lots of conversations. Okay, cool. So then we quarantine and on New Year's Eve was the end of our quarantine. And so we had like a, an experience with some of our closest friends. It was a beautiful mm -hmm. night. That day I did a post, infamous post. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know it well. I, it was a proclamation of sorts. Yeah. It was fairly short, but it was me. It started with, I survived COVID. It was very much in your face in a sense. Right. If you look at it, like when I've looked at it since then, it's like, this still represents me. This is definitely like generally my beliefs and I stand by this, but the energy, the energy of it was yeah. very different yeah. back then. It was like, fuck, this is what fuck I stand this, for. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm doing. Like, yeah. Again, very egoic. And I got bitch slapped by the universe in that yeah. way. So on New Year's Eve, literally minutes before we're about to have our like opening circle, I had posted this a few hours earlier. Didn't even think about it. Didn't look at it. Was just getting ready for the night. My buddy comes up to me with just a fear energy mm. <laughs> that he really kind of, I'll say projected at me in a sense because he was involved because we were doing some endeavors together. So it affected him in certain ways. And he was like, dude, have you seen your post? And when he said that, I just, I knew I had this shot yeah. and He's like, dude, it is going viral and not in a good way. It's like 
people are sharing it. It's got already hundreds of comments and it's like hateful, vitriol kind of energy mm. coming at you. And I just shrunk. I just, mm. you know, all the sensations on overload. Mm. And fortunately, one of my closest friends, JP Sears, who I'm sure some people are familiar with, he was there and he's had a front seat to a lot of this stuff yeah. in his journey because he's really been pretty radical with his beliefs. Yeah. And so I was just like, dude, I need your help. <laughs> Tell me something yeah. that's going to help me right now. Yeah. Give me some words of wisdom. And he delivered on that. It yeah. was just really beautiful. And so I, that night was able to enjoy myself, but the journey had just begun. Just begun, yeah. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, it was like thing after thing took place. Mm -hmm. It was so challenging. Being the focus of that much I'll say negative attention. Mm -hmm. It poked on so many wounds for me, so many yeah. fears. And a couple in particular is I'm a ham. Mm -hmm. I love to perform. Yeah. I love to be, yeah, I'll say praised and affirmed and seen in like my gift of performing and of mm -hmm. comedy of those kinds of things. And I, you know, have always had this dream to be an actor, to be famous, to those kinds of things. And I've always wanted to go viral. Yeah. <laughs> and got it. My wish came true, yeah. but in the worst oh, possible way, right? Yeah. And the other wound that was poked is I've had this shadow of my, I'll say, gift of likability mm -hmm. where I, mm -hmm. I very much pride myself in being one of the more connected, liked people I mm -hmm. know. And I, that's yeah. a skill I've cultivated too. Yeah. Of like, I love staying connected with people giving and then just that I love mm -hmm. that and the idea of someone not liking me in the past has been like oh what do I have to do to make them like me yeah. how can they not like me like I'm so like you know just desperately attached to this identity mm -hmm. of being liked by everybody and so suddenly I'm going viral and everybody hates me <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so reflecting on that on the other side of it it was like okay would I rather be liked by everyone or loved by a few? And the answer to that question is tough pill to swallow. It's like, I would actually rather be loved by the few people that really know me and love me deeply for who I truly am at my core. And so that was a major lesson in that season. And yeah, I went inward for a solid few months. I was mm -hmm. fully off social media. I humbled myself in my purpose and in my business where I joined forces with my now wife and was doing things and I'll say her business at that time, it's very much our business now, but at that time I was like, I was getting in there and doing, setting up payroll, accounting, mm -hmm. HR benefits, all this shit that I'm like, no one's seeing me do this. This yeah. is thankless. Uh -huh. You know, like I'm not getting the validation mm -hmm. that I'm desperate for little boy shit, all that kind of stuff. And also a men's group that I was a part of that there were implications there yeah. where it affected the group. I left that group and that was really challenging for my ego because just amazing men that I was so proud to be in this space with mm -hmm. and then to leave was like it was like I thought I had made it oh but no I haven't now what mm -hmm. and there's just a lot of that stuff to deal with and then the cherry on top when I felt like I was kind of finally on the other side of it I totaled my brand new car which was like my dream car yeah. and there's some childhood shit there attached where I grew up poor by most people's standards right. in the US. And my mom always had shitty cars. Mm -hmm. and I was always embarrassed pulling up to school mm -hmm. in her cars. And I finally had like my first nice new car. And I 
fucking totaled it. It was my fault. And it was scary too. I got yeah. T-boned. It was just very challenging. And so, so to bring it back on what even sparked me telling this story, kind of on the, the note of validation and particularly in partnership. So during that time, I was debilitated by indecision and a lack of confidence mm-hmm. and again, desperate for validation. So everything that I was doing, I was asking Alexa, my wife, what do you think? Yeah. What should I do? Basically, she was becoming my therapist. Yeah. And your, your romantic partner should not be your therapist not, if you want to yeah. really have a solid yeah. romantic relationship and partnership. And I found there was, bless her heart, she was so gracious during that time. But there was a few week period where I just saw what was, I could see it, but I was helpless at doing something about Mm -hmm. it. And we had this beautiful moment when we had like a little getaway weekend in the thick of all of it, where we, we danced, we listened to music, we had sex and she had this amazing bioenergetic release where she just screamed at the top of her lungs in my ear hole (laughs) (laughs) and was just bawling Mm. and it was so I could it was at that time when I really realized what she was holding for me yeah I mean I'm so grateful for her and that and I took note of that I was like Mm. I'm never doing this again like this Mm. is is what it's supposed to be exactly it's beautiful and Mm. this is not what I want for Mm. myself and for my lady Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) it's big shit yeah and I see on the other side of it like in your eyes, like I feel like a, a deeper sense of like ownership and maturity and responsibility and you, humility and grace. I've seen a lot of dark nights of the soul and I've seen a lot of heroes journeys myself and in clients. And like that felt like a big one. <laughs> it was that felt one. like a big one in a lot of ways. And I was in some of those conversations and circles. And I remember thinking, I'm like, this could easily be me. Like, I remember thinking, I was like, I know Jordan's heart. And also like, fuck, I also hear you and what you're saying. And like, this is uncharted territory for me. And I I felt myself learning and growing in, in a lot of ways during your process. I didn't see the whole time, but I like kind of knew what was going on from a few different perspectives. And for me, I had a, a lot of, I don't know if I, correct me but it's like a little bit of that like rebel like stubbornness that like poking at things I was on my way coming out of that I actually did an exercise with a former mentor of mine that changed it it like blew my mind open and that exercise I'll I'll share it quickly because I think it's helpful for a lot of people the steel man argument And basically I was in a a deep hole of like my own beliefs and I couldn't see anything outside of it. And he said, for two weeks, you're only consume things that are in direct, what you feel are in direct conflict with your belief system. And that sent me down the biggest like tornado of emotions and perspective shifts. And I like was walking around with my eyes wide, like all the time. I was like, what, what? And what it came to was, of course, 
Like, of course, people feel the way that they do if this is the lens. Of course, I had so like instantly so much more compassion for people that are making decisions that they feel are in their best interest. And I was just coming out of that when you went through that. I was like, damn. I was like, Jordan, somewhere at some level, chose to be this example for many of us. Thank you for that, man. Thank you for being that. I could tell that was a journey. Dude, it was. And, you know, one little thing I'll underscore in the midst of all that, too, that you just kind of touched on is I find that for me, I oftentimes learn lessons the hard way. And maybe that's not unique to me. But if I can be the times where I'm proactive with my growth, so to speak, mm-hmm. where, where I see a blind spot or somebody illuminates it and I address it and take some direct, disciplined, inspired action around it, it's, it's a bit more graceful. It's yes. a little more enjoyable. It's a little mm-hmm. easier. But that's somewhat of a rare occurrence for me, or at least with some of the bigger things, that one included, it was like, I need the universe, I need God to do it for me in a really challenging, radical, big way so that I really get the lesson. And so if we can have that awareness and the community to help us proactively see those things and do them, it's a little, little easier, a little lighter. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes it's just like, no, we're just going to give this one to you. And, and sometimes if I'm in my small self and and my victim energy, I'll be like, why is this happening Mm -hmm. to me? Mm -hmm. And back to the community point I had, and just the the self-awareness that I've cultivated, I can always find a silver lining. I can mm-hmm. always see why this is happening for me, mm-hmm. even the most challenging stuff. And I'm really grateful for that. If nothing else, it's a more fun way to live. Yeah. It's a more meaningful, empowered way to live when I can just find meaning in everything, mm-hmm. whether there objectively is no fucking meaning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool, whatever. I'll what? play the game. Oh, yeah. Placebo or whatever that yeah. there is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll seek and make something up. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like on uh, some entheogens and you're like watching nature and you're yeah. like, a whole story is coming to your mind about this leaf on the ground yeah. or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yep. It's, it's, it's the lesson. It's the meaning. <laughs> I learned that as well in the darkest time of my life after Brent and I separated and a mentor shared with me is like, can you start saying thank you for this now when it's hardest? Yeah. And like that period where I was just like, I was like, fuck you and thank you. Fuck you and thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just like, that was my life for a few months. But it's so true that like, whatever, like objectively there's no gift here. And also if we focus on the gift, Mm -hmm. there actually is one. Yeah. And that's the part that's like really nuanced is like, okay, what is objective? Objective is where you're putting your attention. Well said. I like that. And this is what I had to face myself is like, if you want to keep buying this story of victim and anger and resentment, you can keep doing it. I got dosed. I was like, you can keep doing it. We can do this for life. You're resilient as fuck. You can play this. Yeah. And is that what you want? Mm Mm-hmm. And do you, do you want to be better on the other side of this? Do you want to step into the life that you get to have? I oftentimes have to be reminded of that, even though conscious bro myself, Yep. <laughs> when I'm in it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is just another one of those times. Mm-hmm. 
it's like we're okay thank you i'm open to seeing the gift whenever that may be yeah sooner the better the more graceful the better amen <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah <laughs> mm. awesome brother and so you are now you alluded to it during that time you started stepping in to now your company with your wife alexa what's that like for you now i mean you're yeah well so you know my time at bulletproof i was getting into the retreats. I started doing coaching as a hobby on the side a little bit because I just felt that I had a knack for it. And I was naturally doing it with just friends and people I worked with, especially friends from college. You know, it's funny. I would get shit from them Mm -hmm. as I was doing some of this stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'd be the first person that a lot of them would come to for counsel to just share their heart and that kind of stuff. And so I started casually having a client here and there for a few years. Then after Bulletproof, fully stepped into that, doing men's groups and, and things like that. Really enjoyed that. And then when, you know, this, everything came crashing down in a sense yeah. last mm-hmm. year, the year before, I guess, humbled myself, decided we'd already been having these conversations post bulletproof of us fully combining our stuff. But it's just, you know, that's a, a big thing to do with your significant other. It is. There's potentially so many layers of entanglement and it's just not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, that's okay that it's not for everyone. Yes. I think there's sometimes this glamorized idea of, well, there's lots of glamorized ideas, but you know, with, with your partner being yeah. your everything. Everything, it's yeah. Like there are everything people. about your life intertwined. Exactly. And I, not, it's not, not for everyone. No. Yeah, you already live with them, your romantic partners, your friends. Social group, yeah. Social, mm-hmm. There's just so many mm-hmm. layers, like, let that be enough. Yeah, yeah. The working thing, cool. If it's for if you, it, it works. works. Okay, mm-hmm. great. But we were having a lot of conversations. There was a lot of tension around doing that. And so mm-hmm. we, were, we were very reluctant. And then it was like, all right, let's just fully do this. It feels like this is part of the opportunity and the gift in mm-hmm. this is for us to really give this a try. And so, you know, those first certainly couple few months were crunchy because mm-hmm. again, I was doing things that I was not excited about, not particularly good at, you know, mm-hmm. like spreadsheets and <laughs> stuff like finance and accounting and setting up payroll systems and all that. I was like, Oh, this is just the worst. But that was where I really developed a next level of grit and masculine accountability, dependability and all those kind of things we've kind of been talking mm-hmm. about. And that felt really good. And that still feels really good. And I still do all those things. And I put in that work to where now I know how to do it. And mm-hmm. it's serving me and will continue to serve me throughout my life. And yeah. I'm so grateful for that. You know, the kind of not sexy stuff that's done behind the scenes. That's what creates the true grounded confidence in my life for sure. And so I was doing that for several months. And I had had sex and intimacy in my coaching, but it was not the thing I was leading with because it was definitely yeah. still fairly new for me. It's mm-hmm. still like a weird, you know, with my wife who's a sex coach, but like our shit stinks like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to navigate this in our own relationship. So during that time, I was really doing a lot of work in that regard, mm-hmm. doing retreats, doing workshops, specifically around like my sexual personal development. So then started having that be more in my practice. And then it was organically, it was like, okay, I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about Mm. and doing here so I can authentically embody it and share it in various capacities. And so that kind of brings us more or less to the present day where I feel so grateful 
to be doing this with my wife and we found such a great flow together and now your former wife yeah. works with us I she's know. a full-time employee with us yeah. it's so funny the mm-hmm. threads of connection there and mm-hmm. she's so amazing we're so fortunate to have her she's just such a badass bitch, she's a badass you know this yeah i know this uh, mm-hmm. and so having her on the team like every monday now we go to a co-working space and we work on the business instead of in the business mm-hmm. as we're growing it and just looking at things from a high level and that's been so fun and yeah mm. so what type of work are you doing like what's the current programs like what's jordan doing mm-hmm. so well <laughs> one example this weekend we're going to a play party Fuck yeah. uh, yep Fuck and yeah. the idea of that in a previous life it's so funny i mm-hmm. think that this was definitely the case for myself and i find with a, a lot of people that i work with sexual personal development is the last bucket <laughs> it was definitely for <laughs> <Right>? me <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and i think even more so for men that seems to be yes. the case mm-hmm. it's, it's very vulnerable there's there's just a lot of layers of stuff there mm-hmm. Fuck, you could even trace it back to the practice of circumcision. Yeah. I'm circumcised. I don't know if you are too, but not, no. not no. you're one of the lucky I few. I know, I know. That's wild. Your parents, I'm not my, sure. I'm curious the story behind yeah, that. Yeah, you know, my mom was like really strong in a few like beliefs that I don't even know why to that's this funny, day. Because of Catholicism too, like that's a common practice. Yeah, it is. Circumcision. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It was just never did it. Yeah. Well, my intact brother. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Way to go, June. <laughs> No trauma there. Right. Well, well, and that's what well, I was kind of getting yeah. at, right, is some people will poo-poo that. It's like, oh, you're too young to remember. And I feel staunchly like that is a core wound, both literally and metaphorically yeah. for men, particularly in the Western world in America, mm-hmm. where that practice is so common. Much less common today, and it continues to become less mm-hmm. common. But certainly when I was a kid, it was 90 plus percent of kids were circumcised. Mm-hmm. And side note, watched a documentary that really illuminated this seriousness around the subject for me. And there's a part in that where it, it doesn't show it, but you hear when it's happening in the baby, the crying. And this is not just like a baby crying. This is trauma fucking crying. Right. man. so that being said, you know, back to sexual personal development for people in general and men in particular, it was for me meeting Alexa, her being a sex coach, obviously that was part of the appeal and also part of like what was so terrifying True, and intimidating yeah, yeah, about yeah. her. And I fancy myself, yeah, I'm pretty good at bad. Yeah. I haven't had any significant problems. So uh-huh. Nothing but mostly good feedback. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. But like, I'm not going to be vulnerable enough and humble myself to go there and to mm-hmm. be taught by someone or to do like really significant work on that mm-hmm. area of my life. And as I did and as I have, it's just, I find that sexual personal development translates so significantly in every area of my life, Mm -hmm. but general personal development, it doesn't have the same translating. Now it's not to say one's better than the other by any means. I still think that the kind of route to go is general personal development because then you kind of have the ability and the, yeah, the confidence, humility, those kinds of things to go into Mm -hmm. sexual personal development. But all that to say, the more I've committed to this over the past several years, how it's taken my personal development to the next level has been really impressive. Yes. Really grateful for that. And so going to a play party this week in a previous version of myself would have been like either scared and pretended to be excited (laughs) Uh or would have been just so immature Mm. around it. Yeah, yeah. 
like the boy. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And to be clear, like Alex and I, we have what we call monogamish relationship, Mm -hmm. which we are very much monogamous. We don't have any additional partners. Mm -hmm. We aren't swingers. We don't do any of that kind of stuff. The gift in monogamish for us, what it means for us is we are open to having any conversation. Mm -hmm. We have that freedom and that ability to have any conversation and to be curious. And we've had a few experiences with another woman, with like a few other women, and they've been really beautiful, fairly light. I'm, you know, coming out of the fuck boy phase into my partnership with Alexa. I knew very much my tendencies, my shadow around Mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I knew how important this relationship is and how all in I am. I will not do anything to compromise that. Um, If that means, you know, putting some of my hedonistic human desires aside for the betterment of the longevity and sustainability of our relationship, I'm all on board for that. Not even a question. Not a question. Mm -hmm. And in five, 10, 20, 30 years, things may shift. And I think that's where the, the gift and the ish of monogamish comes into play. Mm -hmm. It's like, we get to constantly be curious to renegotiate constantly creating down for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this play party, you know, we'll see how it goes. We've been to a few of these. We've, I had some amazing mentors in this space and I'm really grateful to be in it. And it seems like our path for the foreseeable future, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And when you said the sexual part comes last <laughs> is like when I went through that experience with Bryn, both of us hired sex coaches. Bryn started working with Alexa. Uh, yep. yep. And <laughs> I started working with someone else and that confronted me with so much that I yeah. thought was healed. I thought I was good. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I was done with it. And it like just brought up like a much deeper, deeper layer of it. Yeah. And I, I'll actually backtrack cause I had a thought to come back to this at one point and now it's there again. So I'm going to say it. I had referenced that post separation. I went through like the conscious fuck boy phase and I actually want to, I want to reframe that cause that's not actually what I meant. And I think this will be really helpful as it was helpful for me. I had just come to Austin and I was actually at a friend's gathering and very well-known female who coaches women and men. And she's incredible coach, a mutual friend of ours. And we were just chatting in the pool. It was the first time I talked to her, great conversations. And she said, she's like, Hey, are you looking, are you looking for your queen? And I kind of gave like, like, oh, and, and she's like, no, it's okay. She's like, how long have you been? I was like, well, it was a 10 year relationship just recently single, not even a year ago or so. And she's like, oh no, you have to like go out there and explore. Mm-hmm. And she's been doing this for over a decade. She's like, you can't actually choose until you do that. And that was the first time, like I had something open up in me where I was like, oh, I've never given myself permission without shame to like date and be a little promiscuous and explore edges of sexuality that have curiosity there. Or even if I'm not even aware of it, like I've never given myself permission to go to any edge. And that kicked off like just an exploration for me and an exploration that was incredibly conscious. And it taught me a lot about truly safe and effective communication. That was a big one. Setting a container, creating safety, 
like all things I do in my work, but this was a whole nother vulnerable level and it made me a better facilitator too. And I think that that permission from her gave me the opportunity to, it like knocked me back a little bit and also changed what I was previously thinking about when I was going into dating. And for me, it was no longer like, oh, I'm just being a fuck boy. I'm being like a boy again. And I was in my early thirties. And so like, I had a little shame around it. I had been married before and it shifted. I was like, no, I'm actually learning me for the first time. Yeah. The last time I did this, I was 21, 22 years old. And I'm like, no, I'm going to give myself this gift and I'm going to learn about myself and like what's really there for me and not what I've been told I should have or do or whatever, but like what is actually there. And that was one of the greatest gifts that I gave myself because now that I'm in partnership, like I'm fucking clear about what I like and we're still exploring and figuring things out with each other, but I fucking know and I can choose and I can commit. It's like, there's a lot of beautiful women in Austin. Mm-hmm. Not one of them I think twice about. Yeah. Truly, truly. So good. And I could never say that before because there was always like in the back of my head that doubt of like, oh, but what if, what if this could be better? What if this could be better? And as I was going through that phase, I started developing this true visceral feeling of how I want to be in the presence of my feminine queen. When it was there, it was like, oh, click there actually isn't better for me. This is it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, had I not done that, the doubts would have still been there. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to come back to that to reframe it a little bit. Cause I know so many men go through this versions, a version of this, whether they've been in marriage or partnership before there's this phase where it's oftentimes like, I don't know. I, I never really got into the modern dating scene, but like, it can be shameful for people, especially the older you get. And it doesn't have to be. It yeah. can be fun exploration of you and, and your partnership. And, and massive growth. I love that you came back to this, man, because I so resonate with what you just described. And I think that there is conscious fuckboy is a thing. Yes. I had a legit season where I would say conscious yes. fuckboy. Yes. And it was early in my personal development journey where I was learning these authentic communication yes. skills and it like brought my game with women to a whole nother. Yes. <laughs> and I adopted this phrase. I think I came up with it. Maybe I heard it somewhere and I just pretend like I thought yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, anti-game is the best game. Mm. And so when I was learning this stuff, I was dating women and I was being very vulnerable and it was authentic. Yes. Truly. Like I was being real, but I knew I was playing a game. I knew yes. that chicks really like this. Yeah. So I'm going to double down on this. Like this is the, the best kept secret of conscious yeah. space. And, and that served its purpose. I'm not super proud of all of it, but I'm also right. not like crazy ashamed by mm-hmm. most of it either. That being said, there was a market shift for me, just like you kind of described mm-hmm. where it was like, okay, I see my blind spots in this. I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm kind of excusing myself from my highest behavior, from being the best man I can imagine and having like really ruthless integrity because I'm being honest, but but I have an agenda. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not almost, 
I can't remember any specific situations where I was like really hurting women. I was not being a truly conscious steward of women's feelings right. and emotional dignity, integrity, emotional mm-hmm. integrity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I got to a point where there's one woman in particular that was the shift for me where I made this declaration. I was like, I'm not going to play this game anymore. Yeah. And went on a date with a woman and she was gorgeous. I mean, like a 10 across the board, beautiful, amazing body. And there was such chemistry between us. And I knew this is not her. Yes. And it was, there was just such strong dissonance where I was like, I really want to fuck this chick and she wants to fuck me. And I can't, I can't, I I knew I was like, this is, this is an opportunity that was gifted to me to step into what I say I want to do and be. So I didn't sleep with her and we had a handful of dates and we kind of saw each other for like a month or two. And on the other side of that, just a couple months later is when I met Alexa and Mm. I so attribute that training ground, had that Mm -hmm. not happened, had I not shown up in that way and everything before it. I would not have been able to effectively step into the person that would call in my queen. Yes. So I'm glad you went back to that, Max. I think it's so important. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I felt like I was going in a child into that process. And in a lot of ways I was, that process was interrupted when I was a child still. And I felt like I went in with such a different perspective. I actually did say at one point, I was like, I want to learn from every single feminine body that I interact with. That's great. And it wasn't just the romantic ones. I started learning how to intimately connect without romance, without physical, with women for the first time in my life. Dude, that was a big one for me too. Huge. <laughs> like I, um, t- like honestly, when I was um, married to Bryn, I wouldn't look women in the eyes because there was like a fear of judgment. Like what if she, like Same. I'm a good looking guy. Like yep. I, got things together and I was like what will she think what will other people think if I'm looking this and like that was such a big shift for me like I started saying I love you to like my sisters god I I, like really love you as a sister and and feeling it was almost like preparing me it was the warm-up it was like teaching me I was practicing and with every woman that I went through that and I went through times like you're describing where I would go a little too far into it, knowing it. And like my body would viscerally tell me like, no. And so it taught me a lot about cleaning up my word and cleaning up my integrity and really owning that I didn't follow my intuition and I did it anyway. And really going through the discomfort of cleaning that up. Yeah. That is a fucking incredible skill in life, in partnership. Cause like, It's not always going to go the way that we say it's going to go, but the process of really just swallowing the pride, the ego, like owning the mistakes and going like, look, I fucked up. I want to clean this up. Let's discuss this. Let's go there. And like I faced so not so many, but like a few of those where it like really hurt and I could feel all the internal programming, like didn't want me to do it. And I was like, I got to do this, this. And I felt like I grew so much in like all these little, micro containers, these micro retreats. And finally got to the point of where you described where I would meet women and everything would check the boxes, but it just wasn't it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's not it. And for me, it led to a period of time, like post this exploration time where it was like that container had finished 
And I was like, I think I'm done with women and dating for a while. And I actually want to take all this information that I've gathered in this, this experience and like sit on it. And I said three months and I didn't look at women. I didn't try to date women. I didn't really, I didn't hit on women for three months. And at the end of three months, I asked, honestly, I was like, am I done? And it was loud and clear. It was like, no, there were still some threads of how I was like seeking women's attention and like playing these energetic games and, and I wasn't done. And so I spent another four months and the next woman that I dated was Victoria. It's great, man. Mm -hmm. Mm, It's beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here, man. Yeah, dude. Thank you for doing this. That has been great. I've loved this conversation. I'm deeply passionate about like the development of men and reframing that story. Yeah. Reframing the challenges, the shadows. And I really see you and so many of our male friends as like such beautiful examples of that. And so so thanks for being it. Thanks for sharing your story and your stories. And all the lessons along the way, man. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. You are so welcome. I have a few questions I like to leave with. Drop them all me. We'll, we'll start out with where can people find you? Yeah. So the place I'm most active is definitely Instagram at mm-hmm. conscious.bro. And there's mm-hmm. links and you can get a feel for my flavor there. I have a language that has been dubbed Jordanese by our <laughs> friends and loved ones where, yeah, there's lots of skis at the end of things yep. because life's more fun with skis. And you'll just, if you're not fucking offended, you'll be very entertained. Yes. Yeah. That's and true. We both. Yeah. 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 True. True. Yeah, so a little bit of both. You can find me. Yeah. Yeah. So it brings flavor to life. Awesome. Is there anything lastly that you want to share with the audience, with people listening? Yeah, I'll do like a a fun, shameless plug here. Once again, sexual personal development has been such a game changer for me and for so many people I know, yourself included. And if that's something that you haven't put some attention to, I just so strongly encourage doing that. And whatever that looks like, work with me, great. Work with my team, awesome. We have great support. I'm so proud of what we've built. And there's a ton of amazing people out there. There's incredible books, there's podcasts, there's people you can follow. Start exposing yourself at the very least to a sexual personal development and see what that opens up for you. It's a gift that keeps on giving, certainly in my personal life and in my relationship with my wife. When I prioritize our sex, and that's not necessarily just straight P in the V. Right. That's a part of it, obviously, yeah. but just our sexual energy, our polarity, our intimacy, everything in our world is so much better. Our business is better. Just the easefulness in which we interact with each other, the petty stuff. It's like clockwork. If we go a week without having sex or longer occasionally, so many little fights and bullshit comes up. But if we're having sex like every day or, you know, it, coupled a few times mm-hmm. a week is a good cadence. Very little of that. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, that's one example that just represents a lot to me. So yeah. focus on your personal, like sexual development would be a strong recommendation for sure. I will plus one to that. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, like what was the first book or what was the thing that got you into this? Like what would be the first book for men, especially? Oh yeah. So, you know, I mentioned the four hour work week. 
that was a gateway for me. It's not necessarily the one I'd recommend. Right. The one I would recommend for men and the one that I recommend to all my clients, way of the superior, superior man. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's it ain't the, broke, yeah, don't fix yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. There's so many other amazing mm-hmm. ones, but as the foundation, start there. Start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fully agree. What about for, what about for women? Who for women? Oh, let's see. I mean, that one's pretty good. But, you know, one yeah. that comes to mind that I actually read relatively recently is Pussy by Mama Gina. Yes. Um, that I was skeptical because I, I had heard of her and I'm a little wary of the woo-woo stuff sometimes mm-hmm. because I'm a little bit more of earth, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I very much appreciate the more woo-woo people. It's just not my flavor oftentimes. Yeah. And so sometimes that content is just doesn't resonate with me. But this one, I felt like it was a good blend. It was accessible kind of similar to the way of the superior man. Cause the way of the superior man can definitely be quite woo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this one felt like for women, I can so see that being a game changer for women. Mm. Similarly to how the way of the superior man is for men. Yes. Beautiful. So Thanks. it's pussy. There's the name of the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like adequately titled. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and lastly, what compliment would you most like to receive from someone? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> You are really valuable even when you're not funny. Mm. You don't have to be funny. You are so valuable just like you being you fully. Mm. If humor is a part of that, great. But that is not what gets you validation and love and respect and being seen. And is that something that's present for you at this season? Definitely. And -hmm. I would say it's somewhat perpetually present because it's something that growing up, I lived like a lot of different family members and bounced around quite a bit. And I'm really grateful for that because it just molded me in in so many beautiful ways. And, you know, a bit of the shadow of that is I felt like I had to be funny for people to like me and to fit in and to be accepted, especially being transient a lot of times. I mean, so that's something that's come up in my relationship and in my sex in particular and polarity is I can use humor as a crutch instead of just being really deep with what's real and, and the sincerity and the authenticity and the vulnerability and those things. And humor can be a great thing to diffuse some of that in a really beautiful way, but I've overdone it in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one thing I love on that note is, and, and I say this, all of my favorite people, have the deepest and the widest breadth of range. Range. It's a big topic. Range is yep. fucking sexy. It so is, man. Yeah. It's a good range. And I think that it's, it's intentionality, the consciousness of what you're bringing. So as long as it's coming from the right energy in the right place, like coming from the heart and not from like the protectos or the ego or the... Yep. I think it can, it can all be beautiful. So like, agree, a, man. like a good old fart joke. <laughs> 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 Cracking a crispy boy with the bull. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Oh, well, Jordan, thank you so much for doing this, man. I've absolutely loved this conversation. As have I, homie. Mm, thank you for being on folks. Check out conscious.bro on the gram and highly, highly recommend the work that Jordan, his beautiful wife, and also, Bryn does. Uh-huh. And so, I affectionately call her Brinsky. Brinsky, the old Brinsky. <laughs> She's really taking that too. She yeah, yeah. Refers to herself as that. That's too, right? hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, go check it out, folks. And thank you so much for listening. As always, please let Jordan and I what you think about this episode. 
if you learned something, if you grew in any way, thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed this vulnerable conversation with our guest. And if you enjoy this show, please leave us a review, share it with a friend, and let me know if this has impacted your life in any way. You can message me directly on Instagram at Chris Marhefka. And also, if you want to support this show, the show is fully funded by my company, Training Camp for the Soul. Go over and check out trainingcampforthesoul.com where you can find out about our online programs, in-person retreats, and lots of free offerings where we're helping people to transform their lives radically and permanently. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you so much for making this dream a reality.